You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. I'm Oz Davis. I'm the ghost for the show. And I welcome back from the great nation of Canada, my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how was it? How are you doing? You know, I made a very important discovery when I was up in Canada. People actually listen to this show. Yeah, that's what I thought. Really? Mm-hmm. Honest? Okay, honest, okay. Honest like, to like, God. Okay, like, what is your evidence? <laughs> my evidence on this is that I met one of our listeners in Montreal. Oh, cool. All right, yep. great. So his and name, yeah. Right, so? so it's Brent. His name is Brandon. He's been listening since the beginning. Uh, he is from New Hampshire, like I believe wow. you are, and nice. he is an Alouettes fan and a season ticket holder. Season ticket holder, nice. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm jealous. He's probably also French Canadian. No, no. Wow. Nope. He wow. just has good taste. Well. Yeah, I mean, geez, the, the, the regional team for New England has got to be Montreal. I mean, again, like, like that's my introduction. I'm sure that was my dad's introduction to the CFL as well, is because that was the only, you know, signal we might get were the Montreal games from Quebec. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that's, that's why he's a New Englander. So, wow, that's fantastic. All right. Well, yep. shout out. We were able to while away the last three or four minutes as uh, as the game uh, drew to its uh, to its quiet conclusion. <laughs> Ground to a conclusion. Um, okay, let's. Uh, well, that's just awesome. That's fantastic. Great to know. Um, okay, let's go on to. The games there. We're just going to touch on these games a little bit, but I'd, I'd much rather hear about your experience from the ground or closer to the ground than most of us were. Uh, let's see. So, okay, I'm going to let you go ahead and talk your trash about how bad the Montreal Alouettes are, because of course the first game you saw was Winnipeg Blue Bombers at Montreal Alouettes, which had the illusion of being close for a while, but uh, the doors finally came off. So tell me, what were your impressions of this game? And, I, of course, I'd also like to hear about the experience of Montreal. Great city, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, just to touch on the game real quick, uh, it, this is what happens when a team that is really, really good in the fourth quarter meets up with a team that has a propensity of self-destruction. <laughs> Yeah, as a team whose playbook goes through three quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, seriously, though, okay, so so in the podcast that I did last week with Greg, and this still holds true, and when we talk next week's games, I'll probably say this again. When the Bombers end this ridiculous run that they're on, it's going to be a surprise. And I have a feeling it's going to be one of these situations where – everything goes wrong, you know, and, 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 you know, they might lose by three touchdowns uh, and it's going to look really bad and everybody's going to be, you know, wondering if this is the end and then they'll bounce back. Uh, you've seen it happen with good football teams before. This is what happens when you only play one game a week. Sometimes everything goes wrong. Okay. For a little while in this game, I was wondering if that was it. I mean, early sacks, early turnovers. I mean, it wasn't the first pass intercepted. Um, did this not, like, the, even, in fact, we had the classic Edmonton, Edmonton, situ, uh, Edmonton, the classic Winnipeg situation where twice the drive was continued by penalties and the Bombers only came away with a field goal. At that point in the game, that was like a moral victory. Were, were you really never even the slightest bit in doubt? No, not really. I, Montreal had a lot of opportunities in the first quarter to yes. do some real damage and just did. So 
once Winnipeg got on their nice long hundred hundred plus yard drive to go to get their first touchdown, I'm like, eh, you know what? This could have been a whole lot worse. They're ahead, and they're gonna stay. It's gonna stay that way for the most part. And for the most part, yeah, you know, uh, the game was close for the three quarters, and then Winnipeg pulled, just hit the gas and pulled away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, at least for the first three quarters of this game and the last game, that you know Noel Thorpe is really starting to click with his defense a little bit. But in the end, it was Winnipeg is just too much for this team. So. All right, impressions, impressions of Montreal. Well, uh, I, I did get to see the helmet poutine up close. Did not <laughs> gra- did not grab one myself because, well, that would be a pain in the ass to fly with. But I did get to meet up with uh, Cliffy and Tim of the flight deck. Before oh, the cool! Uh, right. Almost by accident, really. We were in line waiting to get in, and they came happened to come right up the hill, right to where we were standing. We were in line on the intersection of where the sidewalks connected and there they came. Perfect. Nice. So we spent, you know, a half hour before the game with them. Uh, went with them to get the, to get the helmet poutine. We helped them carry their stuff to the other side of the stadium. Cause the poutine was sold on the other side <laughs> from where they were. Got, got over there, got them situated and then went back to our side after we picked up food that we wanted on that side and then went back to the other side because it's a U shape. It's not, you can't go all the right. way around. So right. we, we had a few back and forth before the game but to <laughs> check out the whole stadium, but it's a really nice view, really yeah. an interesting configuration. So it's not, not, it's obviously not, wasn't planned to be that way, but it just ended up that way through various renovations and various changes to it over the course of years. Uh, Kind of nice not to be in a cookie cutter place. It definitely had some charm. Yeah. And air horns. Lots of air horns. Right. That was the <laughs> other thing I wanted to ask you because the two big deals from the media perspective were the helmet poutine. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe how much food that was. That was a lot of food. No joke, dude. But you, nevertheless, I would have been all over that. And the horns. And even at one point, uh, TSN just cut the sound for a couple of plays um, just because the, the horns were really getting to getting to people. So was it really bad? No. Okay. You Anybody that's watched this league for a number right. of years knows that the, horn is, the horns are around there. Right. It's part of the atmosphere. Yeah. Either suck it up and deal with it or don't. But yeah, it's see, for fair. me, it's going to be there. Uh, Montreal's uh, the Alouette social media has been fantastic in playing off of it and being fun. Like, seriously, people get a grip. Yeah, seriously, like after after COVID, right, I was missing that. I mean, it used to be that every game in Saskatchewan, Montreal, uh, I want to say Calgary, Calgary might have been one. Every game they had that, you know, that was like, for me, that was one of the great things about the CFL. That's like the bands in college football. You know, you've got to have that in the game. I like that constant background. You know, I have the, I have the tablet on in my kitchen. I'm walking around and hear that doom, 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 like that. I love that stuff. I love that's great. That's great. The, the noisemakers are fantastic. As long as it doesn't drive you folks at the stadium completely insane. Okay. It, it, I knew what I was signing up for. I was fine with it. It's mm-hmm. kind of, and just, I mean, if you can't deal with it, I'm sorry. It's part of what makes a Montreal football game a Montreal football game. And if we go ahead and whine about it so much that they take it away, you're taking away <laughs> a unique aspect of what they've got going on there. Of course. I love the horns. I love the cowbells. I mean, all that stuff. All that stuff is great. It, it's almost too bad for like BC and some other places where they don't have these traditions. Maybe they should. I, they, they've got to have those vuvuzelas from a few World Cups stashed somewhere. They, they, they're plastic. They're not going to go away. They've they got to be somewhere. So maybe they should break those out and ship them to like Winnipeg. Oh, we got the cowbells. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you guys got the cowbells as well. Um, okay. Second game of the, uh, of the week. I was going to say the series. I'm obviously thinking of something else. Second game of the week was um, 
Calgary at Ottawa. You also attended this one. The Ottawa offense seemed to have had about as bad a week as the Edmonton defense. But my question for you, I mean, I'd like your impressions of the game, but my main question for you is, did Bo Levy look as bad to you <laughs> from the crowd as he did on TV? You know what? You know what was great about, uh, I had great seats for this game. Uh, okay. A Twitter friend of mine named Jeff uh, that I've known for almost a decade now helped get us set up with seats, gave us a medis before the game. We had, we had, uh, we had dinner right across the street from the stadium. It was a great time. Uh, he gave us a full tour of um, of TD Place. Great stadium, too. Great atmosphere, especially considering what the team's been the last few years. It was still a really nice place to see a game. And our seats were 10 rows up on, like, the 52-yard line or whatever. It was right smack dab in the middle. Um, so I had a really great view of this one. Ottawa was baiting Bo the whole game. Mm-hmm. They lined up. I don't know if TV showed this very clearly, so that's why I'm bringing this up. Right. But they lined up their entire secondary, 10 yards off the ball mm-hmm. at the most, mm-hmm. and then would vary which one which ones would drop, if any, trying to bait Bo to go deep. And he bit on that a lot, and it never worked out for him. <laughs> it, didn't, it sure did. Because they see. knew he wanted it. He knew he they knew he wanted the deep ball. They kept giving him looks that made it look like the deep ball was going to be there uh, and took, then took it away. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, just it was it was very strange to see. I mean, it was very it was obviously a struggle out there. And, you know, Calgary scores four points in the second half, you know, um, Wow, just a, a really rough game. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about Calgary uh, for when we preview next week's games. But, gee, um, a- especially after seeing the BC game as well, it's, it's Calgary is, is this, this is definitely not an up part of the season for the Stamps right now. No, I mean, they, they did go on the road and got a win but they got a lot of help from Ottawa's offense. Absolutely. I mean, this is a game where Dave Dickinson isn't on the sidelines. Calgary is coming out of a two-game losing streak, and and I think they were extremely fortunate to face a team that has two starting quarterbacks that can't manufacture a touchdown drive. Um, you know, on, on, on the more positive side, Joe, okay, Tell us about the spiffy stadium there in Ottawa. Oh, it's a beauty. <laughs> uh, just, I know they're going to make some changes to the north side, but I liked how the structure was set up around the hockey arena because uh, the north side stands are on top of a hockey arena. So you walk around that first. And w- when you go in that way, because we came in from the north side, uh, went to, um, there's concourses underneath the north side for all your all your needs but you can walk around a you can take a path around to the south side and a lot of people stood on that path the whole game and just watched from over there hmm. uh nice so not not like a rum hut cluster like you see in winnipeg but people yeah. were lined along the outside the whole game nice so when you see tv cameras taking shots of the stands and go, oh my God, nobody's there. Well, they are. They're just not in their seats sometimes. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. They should show that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's they seem to like do a, a good, they seem to do a good job of showing it in Winnipeg. And I sometimes yeah. I see it in Ottawa too, where they'll yeah. show that and show the cluster of people there. But that's not what gets attention pregame because especially when you get a pregame shot of the crowd, not everybody's in their seats. And then people start freaking out about the attendance. They start freaking out about how terrible everything is. And then it just snowballs. No, I don't tell the whole story. 
I don't I don't flip out about it before the game. I'm usually flipping out in the third quarter when I'm noticing all the, well, all the shallow shots of the camera. During the third quarter, at the beginning of the third quarter, people are still doing their halftime right. stuff. <laughs> oh, sure. I know. I know this from, you know, gray cups because I see all you guys posing in the different, you know, team jackets at halftime. And it's like bleeding into the third quarter. I know it is. So, and that's at the Grey Cup. So, yeah, I know the the march back to the seats in the third quarter is a deceptive one. See, this is why baseball is superior. There's nothing like that. Uh, in any case, okay. So, now, what did you do in Ottawa after this? Like, like, what is there to do? What what is fun in Ottawa? We we didn't we only had one last day to spend after that because we planned most of our trip for Montreal and then Ottawa was a side trip on the way to, on the way home. Oh, and it was also blazing hot all week and it was the yeah. worst that day. And we also had an early flight the next day, so we did about a half a day's worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did walk. We were actually right by the Bioward Market, so we oh, walked okay. past that first because it wasn't open yet. Right. Uh, took a good look at Parliament Hill. Um, saw the changing of the centuries at the war memorial because uh, it's right there. It's right past the market from where we were. And then we did the market. I had a beaver tail because I had to um, walked around the market for a while, uh, took a break because it was starting to get warm and then had one last dinner out before we had to be up really stupid early for our flight. So the, if I, if I'm going, I, I do plan to go back to Ottawa someday. And at that point, I'll make more of an effort to hit all the sites and see all what's going on. But we picked we picked the place uh, based actually based off a Twitter recommendation. But it gave us a half a day's worth of stuff to do without even having to really go very far because yeah. we walked a lot in Montreal because we were downtown, went over to Old Montreal, nice. uh, took an took an Uber over to Mile End, did a lot of walking over there. So we we wore our feet out the first couple of days. So the, we needed a break by the end. <laughs> we needed a vacation from our vacation. Nice. Now, let me ask you the key question. Is this the first time you've ditched the sun and, and just you and your wife went somewhere? No. Uh, we had gone to Toronto before COVID hit. Right. Okay. That's what I thought. Right. So anytime... Anytime you go to Canada, you leave the boy at home. Eh? Yep. So far, I mean, nice. getting through, getting through the border, getting through security, getting right. through all of that is not going to be. It's not a fun situation, no matter where you are, what you're doing. Right. Add a four-year-old, then pray for me at that point. <laughs> Love him to death, but that's not a situation I like to place him in. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean that's not a situation. Children are genetically evolved to exist within. Uh, right. Okay. So did you catch the last two games of the week? I didn't because uh, we had that early, early flight that night. So okay. we were starting to wrap it up and go to bed right around then. Okay. Because we were up at two to catch a 545 flight. Wow. Two. Mm-hmm. Damn. Why they go told to bed us, at that point? <laughs> they told us to be uh, they told us to be at the airport for three thirty, and security didn't open till four, so that was wonderful. But that was only a, <laughs> that was a half hour. That's no terrible right. big deal, right? But just based off of what we were told based on from the airline, that's what we did. Yeah. So, right, it's it's still a don't moment, regardless. Uh, okay, right. Well, um, okay, then real and brief, because we can talk about these games in a bit anyway. Um, real and brief, I just wanted to say, hey, uh, thanks very much to the Toronto Argonauts, and not only for keeping the Alouettes in the playoff race despite another loss, but because the between the punt blocked for a touchdown as well as the pick six um, touchdown that was enough for them to win the game and it was you know just a lot more points for my fantasy team I just want to do the the adventures in fantasy football segment of the show here 140 some odd points I put up Joe 
141, 142, something like this points I put up. That's like as many, as much as I've been scored in two weeks in this stupid game. And my opponent was the bye, bye week. Bye. Ugh. This week I get what? Who do I get? The number one or the number two team? Uh, you get Turf it's District. A, so right. he is in second place. And yeah, he's third. now ahead of you too, by the way, isn't he? Because you've dropped yes. the third now. Because uh, Argo, Argo fans beat me um mm-hmm. this week they put up 110 and i put up 102 so yep adventures and yep. fantasy yay it's my turn <laughs> <laughs> the way it's been going for me is like the better the best weeks i have i'm facing somebody that has an even better one than me so yeah the monster and week. then i have yeah. a 70 point week and somebody scoring 50 gets me so yeah yeah well yeah you're still i think even number one in points scored Yes, I am. No, I actually did go ahead in points scored this week. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've been you've been putting together in on average these monster lineups. It's just man, that's what sucks about fantasy football. <laughs> well, head one of head, the many things. Head to head, that'll happen. <laughs> um, and just wanted to say again, I don't know. Um, do you have any takeaways from BC? <laughs> Lions 46, Edmonton Elks 14. You know, I'm really, honestly, I'm really glad that the two games went the way they did because I've seen Hamilton blow a huge lead. And I've seen this, basically this Edmonton BC game already. So I really don't feel like I missed anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, it's, it, it felt like poor Edmonton Elks were just reset to week one. And just like in week two, now after getting blown out by the Lions, they get to take on the Riders again. However, <laughs> that advantage is looking a little more ad- uh, that that uh, matchup is looking a little more advantageous for Edmonton right now, as opposed to in week two. Um, yeah, well, I'm gonna talk some BC in just a moment here, but let's talk next week's games of. <laughs> Some uh, a lot of repeat matchups here. Um, some very interesting lines at the sports book. Um, some some nice opportunities here, presumably. Okay, so we're starting the week with Montreal Alouettes at Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Now they're underdogs. Do you want to guess by how many, Joe? Like 11 or 12. Ah, nice. 12 and a half. 12 and a half. That feels about right, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. When will we ever get our running game back? <laughs> when you get William Stanback back, maybe? Yeah, but I'm wondering if you've heard anything. Like, maybe you can make something up uh, that you've heard about Stanback. I mean, do we know anything about his status? I haven't heard much. Uh, I will say he's likely to be back this season, but I mean, really the way the East is going, he can come back fully healthy for the playoff run. You're in great shape. Well, yeah, but realistically speaking, we're looking at a playoff run of one game, (laughs) you know, and against the, it'd be against the red hot Edmonton Elks at that point. Right. (laughs) You know, so I, I, I just I just sitting here going, I don't have to say anything negative about the writers anymore because you take care of it all for me. Oh man. Well, <laughs> I mean, well, again, I'll, I'll I'll hold off until the end. It's just it's just they're getting I mean, you, you haven't listened to the Greg podcast of last week all the way through, but nope, but I did catch that part. Yeah, the team is just slowly imploding. They're playing ugly. Now folks are losing faith. In you know individual players on this team, it's oh, Jesus. Okay. Anyway, so my popcorn bowl is ready. Keep going if you feel like yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your memes are ready too. Uh, the uh, okay. So your feeling is that Winnipeg covers this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Montreal had a great setup last week in in this matchup. Oh yeah. I mean, you're not, you never want to go face the face the eight no team, but they had them on a short week coming, playing halfway across the country. Right. 
And got a lot of turnovers early. Got a lot of turnovers early. Had a chance to seize momentum in the game. Threw one a little bit too far into the corner at a stadium that doesn't have end zone corners. And all of a sudden, it goes back the other way. And Winnipeg's down in the lead instead of you being up 10. It's just so frustrating. I mean, this game is the third one in a row where I'm just sitting there watching it and they can't do a damn thing on first down. You know, a first play of this game, here comes Luke Feaster, right? The guy I picked up on fantasy for like 2,700 or whatever. First time we run a first down run, eight yards. After that, nothing, nothing on first down. You, we need somebody back in that backfield on this team. We're not going to be able to do a damn thing until that happens. I'm sorry. Harris is just not that dominant a quarterback. And I mean, you saw what happened with Hamilton. Hamilton's in the same boat. They got no running game. So they have to have, uh, you know, uh, Dane Evans throwing like 46 passes. I think it was now that's just not a sustainable pattern and it, and it's even worse i would say in montreal because i no longer have any faith in harris at this point you know if i ever did so yeah. i can't remember who said it first but the line i've heard on trevor harris for the last five years now is he's just good enough to get you fired <laughs> Nice. Nice. I love it. Okay. So on to Toronto. Two and a half point underdogs, incredibly enough, at Hamilton. Crazy. Now, okay. I know that again. Hamilton won by dint of a couple of special teams slash defensive touchdowns. Okay. On the other hand, they played the Thai Cats. I've been harping on this. There you go. You don't need to say anything negative about the Thai Cats all year either, Joe. Again, the Thai Cats, kind of listless on defense. In this game, only three against the Argos, only three sacks and zero interceptions, and zero forced fumbles. Again, just not playing very aggressively on defense. Uh, Toronto was down 14 to six at the half. They didn't score a touchdown until halfway through the third quarter. And, oh, I'm sorry, Dane Evans only threw 43 times in this game. And they still, it, it's down in the books as a two-touchdown win. And yet, they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game. This makes no sense. I'm taking Toronto to win outright in this game. Me too, and happily. It's hard to win a back-to-back, especially against a rival, and especially in a rivalry that's as heated as this. But Hamilton hasn't shown me that they can close games. <laughs> they, they, if they could close games, they'd be five and two, but they're not. And then, and then what, Erlington five, six and two even. <laughs> yeah. Erling, Erlington went out in this game after two carries, and he's out this week. He's not even going to play. So again, they have no run game. They have, they have nobody to run this ball. They're in the same boat as Montreal. They're not going to do anything on first down. And Toronto can put up, I mean, look, even without, even without the defense, they can still put up 20 points, right? I don't know if Hamilton can. I don't. I don't understand this line at all. But I think Toronto's going to sweep it. And, and, again, Hamilton is in trouble. They need to start winning these games against Toronto. Really, now, really though, it's a, three, it's a three-team race for second place at this point. Hamilton, Montreal. And if Ottawa looks themselves and locks themselves into a win uh, and gets Arbuckle going and, you know, lets him just puts him in and lets him have a chance to win the game instead of saying here, save us. Cause we can't do anything like at this point, just put him in and let, let's see what he's got. If they can get one win. They're in the thick of the playoff hunt at this point. <laughs> it's that bad right now. Ah, uh. Yeah, maybe, but that's, I mean, these East teams have got to start playing each other at some point. Sure. And they'll trade and they'll trade wins back and forth. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so one win is not going to be enough. I refuse to accept this. Okay. No, here's a, but one win gets them right back in the 
in right in the yeah. thick of it. Yeah. I uh okay, here's another for me. This is another baffling uh line at the sports book. Um, and again, this I'm I'm wise enough to know, and anybody out there who throws a few dollars on these games in gambling, hear me now. Listen to me now and hear me later, you know, this kind of thing. Okay. If these lines look really super suspicious and they're begging for you to bet them, don't bet them. Don't bet them. There's a reason why they look at this. BC Lions at Calgary Stampeders. Do you know what the line is on this one, Joe? I don't know what the line is, but I know I'm pumped up right now. Pick. Pick them. Pick them. Now, I don't know. To me, that makes no sense. Uh, To me, you know, Lions are trending up. Calgary is trending down, not necessarily with a bullet like the stamps, uh, like the riders are, but they're definitely trending downward. I mean, in the power polls, in the realistic polls, BC is trending up. I got to say that they're going to win even away, even away. Uh, my, my corollary question to you, Joe, is uh, I had, because <laughs> I could not be stopped last week in fantasy, I picked up Dredrick Mills. And so I'm wondering, should I roll him over this week or will Calgary just never get a chance to actually run the ball? Are they going to have to start passing from the go because the Lions are going to run up so many points? I'm waiting to see if he's going to be the starter. But if he is, he's cheap and he shows he can do it. So I might make that play if Kerry is going to sit out. Well, so far as of Tuesday, Kerry has not returned to practice yet. Sure, but the game's on what Saturday, so Saturday. I'll wait until Thursday or Friday okay. to make that call. Okay, but well, I would say the only thing that is pointing toward there's two things pointing toward this line being even. One is that Calgary has been good for like a long, long time, so they get a little bit of residual respect for that. Okay. The second is that BC had a prove it game earlier this year, and they got stomped. It was their only loss, but they got stopped in a game that everybody thought that, hey, look, Winnipeg's on a short week. They're vulnerable. They haven't played well. And Winnipeg's like, we're still the champs. So this is the second time BC's come up on this sort of a matchup where it's like, okay, you've done you've done a great job. You've you've looked really impressive and beaten the crap out of Edmonton. You've looked really good beating Toronto. Toronto just didn't show. Uh, Ham- beat Ottawa, uh, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Edmonton. I mean, it's not exactly a murderer's row of teams they've beaten. Toronto is the only team that had that you could say is any good right now. Okay. And Toronto was going well. Toronto had a travel loss, basically. They went across country and left their game back in Toronto. So we'll see. This is there's a stretch here that they got Calgary, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Montreal, Calgary. They win three out of three out of five of those, and they're probably in second place this year. Oh, they're in second place right now. They <laughs> they are. I mean, at the end of the year, but yeah. oh, sure. This is really the second really really good opponent they've come up against, and I know that they that um, Calgary hasn't been playing well lately, but they still deserve respect in that in that regard. So, so out of yeah, so I can see why there's still a little bit of questions on BC. I think BC wins this, though. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, yeah, all right, Calgary has the reputation and everything, but, geez, they're one and two in their last three, and they're, they're only got the one win because they were playing a team that scored three points. I mean, you know, this is not other On the other hand, two, those two losses were to Winnipeg, and, at one, and they – had a shot at having both they were in the game both times yeah and they and and ottawa was in the game too that's <laughs> also know? true okay. that was probably that. that was by far the worst game they played in this last oh, yeah. oh yeah and they got the win because of the, who they were playing yep 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 yeah so yeah i just just not having much confidence um i guess either today or yesterday it was confirmed that trey roberson is done for the season as well more bad news for the stamps um i i would 
personally just like to see them make a nice showing in this game because woof, it's been rough for the stamps lately. But I think BC wins this one now. Okay, here's another. Here's another one I don't get, and I gotta chalk this one up to the blowout. Um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are five and a half point favorites at Edmonton Elks. And I know that the sports books have got to set these things, you know, based on the, the bets coming in to some extent and also to, you know, just statistical expectations. And the only reason for me to question this at all is just the vibe you get from the riders, which is not quantifiable. Um, I don't think that Chris Jones has a grudge against the riders organization. I mean, he's the one that chose to go to Cleveland. Uh, they didn't fire him, but after the week one blowout to BC, yeah, deja vu all over again, the Elks drew the riders in week two. And if you remember in that game, they actually took the lead in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were in that game against the Riders. Jones had his guys shrugging off that loss and ready to go the next week, at least on defense. Uh, the defense certainly got the dressing down they deserved after letting up 59 points in week one. Uh, but so I'm looking for Edmonton to bounce back and to give the Riders a game. And the way that the Riders are playing right now and the distractions and whatnot and they don't seem to be listening to the coach and whatnot, I think Edmonton can win. I kind of had the same vibe. Uh, yeah. Neither of these teams are playing very well right now. So why not? Uh, in, in that in that case, that kind of makes it a coin flip for me. And mm-hmm. on a coin flip, I'll take the home team, even though they haven't the won team, there. Yeah. Even though they haven't won there for like a thousand days or something stupid. <laughs> uh, they're due, right? <laughs> Well, they the gambler's have gambler's fallacy. They're due. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. They're bound to win. That's what they were saying about the 1976 Buccaneers, right? They're going to win. I don't think anybody's Sometime. saying that about them. So, <laughs> no, probably not. I'm trying to think that far back. I was barely cognizant at that point. Um, the Elks, I think I went over this on this podcast. The Elks have not won at home as the Elks. Uh, they haven't won at home since before COVID was a thing. Right. And as we know, that was like 700 years ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, have, they haven't won at home in a long time. But, I mean, this is it. This is the week. This is the week. We were saying, you may remember early on in the season, we were thinking that this was going to be the Elks' first win right here. I think you may have made that prediction or, or, or the uh, Argos fan cast co-host that we had on the show. Or we I were just, out like eight weeks before they picked up a win. Well, but yeah, we didn't, but we also didn't realize that Hamilton was just going to choke every time they had a fourth <laughs> quarter lead. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we didn't realize that Hamilton is, is going for the low score. They're, they're playing golf out there. Um, so, okay. So yeah, I, I, I got to go with the Edmonton in this game. I, I really think that, yeah, I don't think that Edmonton, you know, Edmonton's going to win about four or five games this year. They're not going to lose them all. So I'll, I'll take them in this one. I, I suspect they, I don't know. I don't know what this Riders team is going to look like at the end of the season, but I don't see anything pretty. Um, I mean, seriously, you're a Riders detractor, but how can anybody like what's going on there just in any facet of the game? No, and I actually try to be try to keep myself above the rivalry when I'm here and doing this. Sure, but I just don't see a lot of positives right now. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is working mentally, you know, psychologically. That that killer instinct hasn't been there at all, you know, except when you're picking up gratuitous penalties. I guess you know. <laughs> wow. So sorry, Saskatchewan. All right. You know, I'm going to say something that's going to sound silly. Okay. But I just don't feel like they've been the same since they moved to the new place. They've been huh. winning games. But there's just something different about how they feel. 
Hmm. It's almost like it's. I could see some people that I follow that huge Ryder fans just don't have the same zip passion. I've seen people that were passionate Ryder fans just like like go entirely. There's something missing right now. Hmm. I can't put my finger on what I'm not. I'm I, I'm not there. Wow. But there's just something. There's something just not quite right there. Because uh-huh. I know you guys were talking last week about all the FTCs and such. I'm not too, too, like, I'm not all that worried about it with the way the economy's gone and how, and how COVID's hit and such. I'm not counting seats or anything. But there's just, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, pro- it's just a gut thing I'm seeing when I see all the interactions on Twitter and talking to people I know that are close to it. Okay. Okay. The bad economy for me doesn't have a lot to do with it, you know, because, you know, we've seen this before, right? Like, you know, the, the uh, put it, put it this way of all the teams I'm worried about attendance wise, the riders aren't one of them. They'll, they'll bounce back pretty quickly once they have something to come back for. You think so? I think, I think so. so. That's that's. I, I that's, mean, they had they they've spent years and years and years as one of the most passionate fan bases in the CFL right. and filling their stadium and getting close to filling their stadium even on Thursday nights when it's inconvenient. And like this last couple of years, like there's just I really can't put my finger on it, mm. but it just feels like there's a little bit less passion going on. Mm. And I wonder if it's because maybe it's, and this is again, just my gut saying this, so I have nothing to back this up. I want to make that utterly clear, but I almost wonder if the organization's pulled away from its fan base, like Mm. put itself up on a pedestal and just like, we're here. You're going to show up. We don't have to do anything special for you. Right, right, right. Of course. Cause I know that I know that, a lot of teams are very open about their access. They work very well with the media, their local team podcasts and such. I'm not hearing the same things out of the people that cover the riders. Hmm. It seems like it's, it's harder to get in. And that might've also, that might've started with Chris Jones being there and how tight he was and trying to control the control what the media was saying and such things like that, but it hasn't hmm. improved since. And I'm I don't know. I, I've also seen just a couple of people I know that were really big writer fans, like not even remotely caring anymore. So there's some sort of disconnect going on between the organization and its fan base. And it could be rectified. It, and it probably would, wouldn't even be all that hard to rectify it, but they have to identify that it's a problem in the first place. Okay. After COVID, I saw a lot of fans, and I wouldn't necessarily say the most rabid fans, but I also wouldn't say the casual fans, somewhere in between there, like serious fans, Mm -hmm. uh, that dropped following whole sports. um, That just either focused on one sport or just, you know, they, I mean, especially with the CFL that canceled the whole season, you know, just, it was gone and it just never got picked up back again by these people. So I think that had something to do with it, especially since you're talking about Saskatchewan, which has proportionately more fans both in its own region and, you know, as measured against all of CFL fandom. Yes, and I can confirm I did see Ryder gear in both stadiums I was at. Sure, right, right. So so it's still there. There's just there's just a it feels like there's a bit of a disconnect between the organization right. and the and their fan base right now. Right. And it's not something it's not a showstopper. It's not something I'm saying that is deep, deep trouble, but I'm noticing it. And it could become deep trouble if it, la- if it lasts for like a decade. Mm-hmm. But 
if somebody identifies it and try and tries to and they and the organization starts working toward reconnecting with this fan base they'll be just fine right 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 it's like it's like you don't have to have the fancy promotions and cheap prices and a winning team but you got to have one of them right (laughs) i do see a lot of i do see a lot of complaints about the prices in the stadium right and i do see a lot of people say hey i have to plan to go have dinner before the game i have to bring water bottles to have something to drink and right this is what this is what blew me away was seeing this on twitter like fans advising other fans about how to save money so they can go see a game and this is what Mm. i was going to say before look at least twice in american uh history there have been major you know in the 20th century let's say there have been major financial issues one was the Great Depression, and the other was the out-of-control inflation of the early 70s. Well, let me tell you something. Every single Major League ball club sold out every game in all of those years, I can guarantee it, because people made that their first priority, right? But it's like everything else, right? Sports is now just one option for people even who are sports fans and you have the option to sit at home and watch it on your big ass TV or be like me and watch it in the morning, record it and watch it in the morning on my nice high definition screen. Yeah. That's cause I, cause I'm, cause I'm one of those fans for a couple of the teams I've followed all my life that just haven't reconnected after COVID. Sure. Look, You're also in, you are in the most Saskatchewan-like NFL market, Green Bay, okay? These are two markets in particular where until like last year, you still went to the game. If it was minus 40, that's what you did when there was a game on, right? Even if you have the big TV and whatever, you know? If you have a ticket, you go to the game. Now, even those fans are like, hmm, I have options, (laughs) you know, less expensive, more convenient options. And I mean, you know, again, like, like you say that people flip out about attendance, but, but again, like that's so much of, 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 of the feel of the CFL, but also pragmatically the revenue source, you know, that's, the, the, the fans are the thing. You know, the actual fans there are the thing. So it's, it's I don't know. To me, it's still worrisome. Uh, I hope that, yes, I hope that if you are right, that the organization does do some outreach. If, if an organization... That's all, that's all it would take is just the organization saying, okay, we just have to, we just have to... Tr- they don't have to go full... Edmonton, where they're where they're trying to rebuild a fan base that had been destroyed by this lack of attention for years and years and years, and then some terrible teams, and then COVID, and then they're not there. They don't need to go and do as much as what Edmonton's doing, but they need to just do a little bit. Just go, hey, remember us? We remember you, and let's let, let us show us let, let us show you that we appreciate you i think that's all it would take of course Jeez. look if a team in bc okay with an inconveniently located stadium in a really poor sports town okay outside of the canucks okay i know i know but pretty much a really poor sports town can turn it around in like a year the riders certainly can with it, that fan exactly. base. The control of that province, really, in terms of sports, is just like, come on now. Come on now. There's absolutely no reason. They have had a bad team for the majority of years in the history of the CFL, and they haven't had attendance problems. Now, okay, I don't think that they've had as bad an attitude problem as they've had this year on teams before, but still i mean i mean i don't think that's what's keeping away fans in droves 
at least not until recently. <laughs> In any case. Okay, Joe. So um, do you have any words of advice? And can you wish me luck in this week's fantasy football matchup? I'm actually struggling to put a, together a lineup right now myself. I've had, <laughs> I've had, usually I could put it together in about five minutes and feel comfortable and go. I've toyed with it three times today already. Because mm-hmm. I don't know Calgary's running back situation because I'd love to have a $4,000 running back that I can rely on for like 10 points. I'd, t- I'd be all over that. But until I find I that out, it, everything else is on flux. I remember to do it with 30 minutes before the game last week. And guess what? Came up with my best lineup of the year. Um, yeah, and when I spend all this time fussing and worrying about it, it's usually my weaker weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. First thought is often best thought. Yeah. I find in gambling and fantasy, um, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First thought is best thought. Don't overthink it. Your brain knows what it's doing. If you've been paying attention for long enough, you instinctively know the right move, or at least, you know, the move you want to make. <laughs> you instinctively know it. Don't second guess yourself. Second guess is the killer, especially in sports betting. I know. Don't do it. Go with your first instinct. First instinct all the way. Um, right. Well, thanks. Thanks. I need some, I need some luck. That, that I'm not sure that was it. Um uh, Last week, my, my secret was to just start with Rourke. <laughs> yeah. Go with Rourke. Uh, take the Toronto defense, because I figured Hamilton offense wasn't be good for much. And lo and behold, I got two touchdowns out of it. And, uh, you know, take Kerry's backup. It's a solid play in NFL DFS. So, you know, if, if you got an injured halfback out there, take his replacement. I mean... You're rolling the dice with wide receivers, especially in this league. But running back, you can if 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 a backup is going in for a high carry guy, cover. Yeah, I try to go as cheap as I can, but yeah. only to a certain extent on running backs. Cause I know I need to know that they're gonna get like 10 touches. If they're gonna get less than that, I get leery. Yeah, but all you really need in this game is one touch, the goal line touch. That's right? true, but I'd I'd like to have I'd like to be able to count on like ten points. Oh sure, oh sure, of course. Yeah, ideally you want ten points out of everybody in lineup so you can win. Yep. <laughs> in any case, and then have oh, the one guy that has thirty. <laughs> yeah, right. I take on the guy who forgot to fill out his lineup. Um, in any case, uh, actually, our league is pretty good for that. This has been the Rouge Right Blue CFL podcast. I'm Oz Davis for my co-host Joe Pritchard. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the games. Go Roos Right and Blue Podcast Fantasy Football. Woo! Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.